You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, folks, if you've been keeping up with us since the beginning of this podcast, all the way back in November with Cafe Anderson, you know our goal is to produce a new show every Monday through Friday, all year long, right up to the IEFE convention this fall. Today's episode gets us one step closer to that goal. We've got a fantastic guest for you today. She's another association director. Uh, you know, we've had Dan West and Suzanne Neve, several other association directors on the show. And today's guest is the executive director for the Michigan Association of Fairs and Exhibitions. Folks, this is Lisa Reif. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm really glad to get you on the show. Give us real quick, if you will, the origin story. How did you end up with your organization? Wow, that's a great, uh, great question. So I was pretty much born into the fair industry, if you will, uh, almost quite literally. I went to my very first fair when I was eight days old. Wow. Um, my family showed sheep um, all across the Midwest, and we actually continued to show um, purebred sheep. And so in the summers, we would go to several county fairs and state fairs. And so fairs have really just been in my blood. Um, my my family is still really involved. My dad's a fair manager. Um, my grandmother was a 4-H leader. She used to attend the Michigan uh, fair convention, uh, you know, many decades ago. My great-grandfather started one of the first 4-H clubs in Michigan. So it's, it was wow. inevitable, I suppose. I got it. Lisa, <laughs> I got to give you this. We've had a number of guests on the show whose parents have been entertainers or whose father was a concessionaire, but you really have a pedigree for this. <laughs> Yes. And so I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old and my six-year-old can show this year at fairs. So he's going to be the next generation. I'm excited uh, to take that step being, you know, going from an exhibitor to a, a parent of an exhibitor. So that's be fun. fantastic. And did I see looking at your Facebook, did the, your six-year-old just turn six last month in March? Yep. My six-year-old turned six and my four-year-old turned four last month. So um, oh, two birthdays in a month. Yep. How did you guys yes. plan that? <laughs> well, it's not it's not fair time and it's not convention time. So March is a good time to. <laughs> yeah, there it is. They, there's. I was gonna say it's got to be some planning around a fair somehow. <laughs> yes, Listen, um, exactly. you know, so you're you're up there in Michigan and yes, across the country, a lot of fairs are starting to keep an eye very closely on Florida. There's a lot of movement happening down in Florida. Fairs are on. I was just over at the Clay County Fair in Green Coast Springs. They are crushing attendance records. How closely is your association watching what those Florida fairs are doing so that you can disseminate that information to your member fairs? So certainly we've been keeping track of what's going on nationally. Um, I'm very fortunate that there, I have some outstanding counterparts in other states and we talk quite regularly. I'm glad that, you know, we're so keyed in with IEFE and IEFE is an invaluable resource. Um, actually, it's, it's funny that you asked this question because next week um, we have a member Zoom meeting 
um, here in Michigan. And our guest speaker is um, from Wisconsin and talking about, you know, what they were able to do last year um, to open up to the public. Last year in 2020, um, all of the fairs in Michigan, either they modified or they, they canceled. Um, but as far as being open to the public or what you would now consider sort of your traditional fair with entertainment and, and carnivals uh, and so forth, those you know, weren't possible with the with the um, restrictions that we had here in Michigan, and certainly we're we're currently at for an outdoor event at limited to a thousand. Um, that's the current rule here in Michigan with the epi- with the current epidemic orders. So got it. I was I was getting ready to ask you because those numbers, looking at numbers, um, at least from what the CDC seems to be reporting. Michigan's kind of in a little dogfight right now with those numbers kind of spiking. Uh, you know, your governor has been under a microscope at times. How how are things going in your state? Well, you know, I, I certainly think that that's, um, that's a good question. And I think it's a fair question. Um, we, a lot of things are still unclear, truthfully. Um, you know, we don't have a clear path forward at this time because we don't know, you know, what is going to transpire in the coming weeks and coming months. As I mentioned, we are under epidemic orders from our Department of Health and Human Services in terms of gathering size and so forth. And so those um, current orders are set to expire on the 19th. However, there is a press conference this afternoon, um, and I'm sort of anticipating that they're going to be extended. Uh, So I know that there have been some states that have benchmarks in terms of, you know, dates that at this date, this will happen, or they have benchmarks in terms of, you know, um, if the infection rate drops below X, or if we see this many um, cases over a rolling day average, then this is what's going to happen. And that's really not where we're at at this point in Michigan. Um, we're just operating under what the current restrictions are um, and you know, doing everything we can to continue to disseminate the information of what the current um, rules are to our members and helping support them as best we possibly can. But obviously continuing to tell the fair story here in Michigan of the importance to our local economy, to our young people, to our partners, um, and doing all that we can to support, you know, an industry that's very near and dear to, to many of our hearts, not only here in Michigan, but across the country. Absolutely. Now, um, you know, you mentioned the current restrictions, you're limited to a thousand, I think you said on gatherings, are there, are there mask mandates, physical distancing requirements, and frankly, um, are your kids back in in-person learning in school yet? Um, so we do have mask mandates. That's correct. Yep. So there, um, so mask mandates, yes. Uh, you know, social distancing, that thousand is contingent if you have the space for groups to be six foot distance. Um, so that thousand is for entertainment, uh, facilities, social gatherings, uh, for an outdoor activity is 300. Um, so fairs and festivals are considered at an entertainment um, facility. So again, a thousand with masks, social distance. Um, as far as schools, it's still a little bit of a mo- mixed bag. Most schools are back. Um, okay. But I know that um, last week, our governor encouraged high schools to take a pause uh, from in-person learning. 
So, um, like I said, many of them were back and I, I would think that some of them um, are going to take a pause. I just found out that the local school district where I live, they're taking a pause starting this Friday. So, um, you know, certainly, as you mentioned, Michigan has been under a microscope and we're seeing a lot of the cases. Um, I'm certainly not an epidemic epidemiologist, excuse me. Right. Um, but from what I, you know, from the data that's, that's available, a lot of the cases are in some of the younger folks and so forth. So um, that it's not required that schools have to take a pause at this point. Not yet, but who knows what happens when she has her press conference here this afternoon. Uh, man, that's, that's one governor I wouldn't want to be right now because, boy, she's been under the gun a lot uh, during this pandemic. But looking back at fairs, um, do you see an opportunity for any of your fairs to get open this year? I'm still very optimistic for this year, honestly. Um, you know, I know that uh, it's, it's not all uh, roses and flowers and we're not out of the, actually, I'm sorry, Robert, that's not even a real expression. Roses and flowers, it is now. not a real By expression. God, Lisa, it is now. It is not all roses and flowers. You can do, and I'm not editing that, by the way. That's staying in because that's classic. This Come might on. be its own piece of micro video content because it's so good. Um, so, you know, we're certainly not out of the woods, of course. Um, and especially, as you mentioned, in Michigan, uh, we are seeing a, a, a resurgent. Um, and there are the issue of the variants as well. Uh, and now, you know, as of yesterday, they paused the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. And, you know, I don't know how that's going to play into everything in terms of how many um, vaccinations that is going to impact. But that's, I wouldn't say good news, um, truthfully, but right. I am, you know, I do think that the vaccination efforts have been moving forward. Um, we have a regional uh, vaccination site in in the Detroit area, uh, it does seem like the vaccina vaccination efforts in Michigan are really moving forward and moving strong. So I do have optimism for this summer. Well, good. And, and, you know, I think for a lot of those fairs, it just depends on their size and how much uh, run up room they need to get open. You know, there's a number of fairs that I've already spoken with that have have canceled um, June fairs because they really they need about 90 days and they're kind of inside that window. But you know, chances are by, you know, May 1st, they would be able to go, but they just can't afford to start dedicating that, that budget to, and spending those dollars in an unknown environment. They've, they've got to make the decision to, you know, preserve their organizations as best they can. Is that what you're Absolutely. seeing with a lot of those fairs up in Michigan, that they're kind of numbers or, you know, budgets are going to drive that, that decision? Yeah, I think that there's going to be, there, there's a lot of variety as far as, uh, you know, those decision-making uh, activities. And of course, it depends on so many different things. It depends on the community and the health department. A lot of, uh, again, under the epidemic orders, a lot of times, you know, you have to work closely with your health department. And we're seeing some health departments are, um, you know, I don't want to say let's let me let me think here for one quick second. I'm sorry. I she's lost, gonna, I she's lost gonna make sure she phrases this very carefully so the health departments in Michigan do not take it out on her fares. 
No, I just, I think that there's, <laughs> there's a lot of different things uh, from a local standpoint, right? Sure. So I think some of it depends on, you know, who owns the fairgrounds and the comfort level of the sponsoring agency. I think it sometimes depends on the partners. Um, and uh, again, within the county, we have a lot of diversity in Michigan in terms of population. And so you're sure. seeing spikes in different areas. Uh, and that is all going to play into into those decisions. Um, I know that there's some fairs that that can, you know, wait until about 21 days out, and others that have to make that decision 90 days out. And it really, you know, you would think that now that we're in this pandemic, we've been in this for almost 13 months, but it's not getting any easier for people to make these decisions. And, you know, right. the factors that we had in 2020 are very different than the factors that we have in 2021. Yep. And there's just a lot for, for those groups and, and those events to, to take into consideration as they're making those decisions. Absolutely. And as, as an entertainer in this industry who was on the receiving end of a lot of phone calls last year that were bad news, I can unequivocally tell you, I would much rather, even though I hated getting those calls, I'd much rather get the call that the decision's been made than have to be the person in the boardroom making the decision. It is not easy for what these fairs have faced. You know, I, I've had a lot of phone calls over the last year with people that are devastated at the decision that they, that they had to make. And it's, it's tough. Um, we, this past year was the 136th annual convention for the Michigan Association of Fairs. Mm -hmm. And we had to make the decision to go virtual. And that was not an easy decision. Um, at, at the time, we, we pretty much didn't have a choice. We, we didn't have a gathering size that would have made it conducive. But there was still that level that we had to make that final decision. And um, it was devastating. I think that we all in the fair industry have such passion for this industry and such passion for how we give back to our community and whether Completely. that's your local community or in our case, it's the, you know, at the state level, it's our fair community within Michigan. Um, there were lots of sleepless nights and I've sprouted some additional gray hairs because, um, you know, I just wanted to do what's right for our association. And I know that I'm only one of literally thousands of people within our industry that have felt that same thing, um, that you want to do the right thing. And sometimes that's not the, the easiest thing to do. That's right. And it's really difficult, I think, for our association directors. Um, that convention, whether it's me and I haven't done Michigan's, you know, I mostly work across IFE and then conventions across the southern United States. But I know that when we lost the Florida convention last year, that was the first convention for us that got canceled. And it stings because that's such a fun time. It's the one time of year that all of us are under the same roof. Cause once that can one next month down in Naples, once that convention closes, we all go out our separate ways, ways and we bump into each, a few of our friends along the road at different fairs, but it's the only time we all congregate together. So I imagine even up there in Michigan, that kind of bites when all of a sudden, you know, all those friends that you don't really get to see throughout the year, it's going to be another year until you see them. Absolutely. Um, our convention is in January and you probably don't know this, but it's pretty cold in Michigan in January. Uh, is it really? So yeah, it's, it's strange. Um, that one off but, my list. <laughs> <laughs> so,
So we um, we're in a great facility right downtown Grand Rapids. Um, we've been there for a long time. It's a beautiful hotel. It's connected to the convention center, so you can walk to a lot of bars and restaurants. All under one roof um, and people, you know, come and they, they have a great time. And you know that um, it's an opportunity for, for people to have a little bit of a, you know, a time to network, a time to learn and a time to have some fun right after the holidays. And really before you get into the thick of things, we are always the, the second Tuesday in January. And um, it's just kind of the time where everybody can, can put their best foot forward. Uh, and the joy that you see in the hallways is just infectious. And so um, I probably actually shouldn't say that as we're still in a pandemic. But, <laughs> That's um, a really it, poor choice of words. Correct. Yes. Uh, I love I, it. <laughs> so what's the tally here? What are we at? Three, four? Anyways, so um, no. I mean, that, so, you so could it have was, said that the smiles were contagious, but I don't know if that's... But I don't think that that's any better. I don't think that that's any better, but... Um, the best podcast I've done in a while. This is amazing. <laughs> let's keep going. Great. Okay, perfect. <laughs> well, let's talk about your virtual convention. How did... Yeah. That looked different for everybody. Anybody who did something virtually this year everything looked different. Everybody was kind of shooting from the hip on it. What did yours look like? So um, a few of our board members and myself were actually physically together. um, And we had uh, um, a lot of our our folks joining in. And I have to say, it really went very well. Um, Obviously, it certainly wasn't the same. And there's no way that we could recreate you know, some of that uh, camaraderie and so forth, but our members really got into it. Um, we had a chat feature and um, the chats were very reminiscent of what you would see at, at a normal convention, people saying hello to each other and so forth. We had some really good um, workshops and roundtables, and I was very proud of, of my board that I report to. They, they said, you know, in a year like this, we really need to give back to our members and in some ways, I feel like our 2021 convention was maybe one of the most important that we've ever done. It absolutely looked different, um, but I know that it was really important to come together in one way, shape, or form and have that networking, feel connected, and really start the year off. Marla was our keynote speaker, and I actually asked her to be our keynote speaker before the pandemic, and it really just worked out. She always does a fantastic job, but I felt like hearing from somebody within the fair industry that understands how we were uniquely impacted, I think obviously everybody's been impacted by the pandemic. Okay. I don't mean to trivialize anybody's experience, but I think in the fair and event and festival industry, we've been uniquely impacted. And so for her to really talk about that and um, it it just really, overall, I was really, really pleased. Um, Our associate members are a really important part of our association and absolutely an important part of our convention. We had several of them that participated and, you know, they um, were really appreciative. They had these, they had trade show booths that people could pop in and it was kind of like a Zoom meeting within their trade show booth. And so I popped into some and people were, you know, kind of razzing each other and sort of uh, 
chuckling and, and poking jokes and this and that. And so it just, it sort of felt very natural. Um, and everybody afterwards said, we really loved it. Please, I hope we don't have to do it like that again, but we loved it for what it was. So, you know, we had good buy-in in terms of the number of our fairs that participated. And so I, I know that we got that information out to our members, which was great. And, you know, we were able to talk about what's going on with COVID, especially in Michigan, um, and even sessions like uh, how do masks relate to ADA um, and animal identification and things of that nature. So um, it was a lot different. And again, this was our 136th. So I can only imagine what they would have thought of this convention 136 years ago, but I was proud of it and I'm glad that we did it. Well, I'm glad you guys managed to pull that off. Let's talk 2020 real briefly. When you look back at the last year, what are some of the things you've learned about our industry? Um, I'm not sure that I would say some of these things are things that I learned, but I would definitely say that this these things have been reinforced. And I've just been so impressed with how our fairs and fairgrounds have stepped up to help their communities. A lot of our fairgrounds have been testing facilities or drive up food pantries. And currently we have some fairgrounds that are acting as vaccination sites. Um, There was some devastating flooding in mid-Michigan and as part of uh, the emergency plan, some of those folks had to move to a campgrounds uh, at a fairgrounds. And that fairgrounds stepped up and, and it was the Midland County Fair. And um, I just think that, you know, I've always known that fairs are so important to their community, but that has absolutely been reinforced this past year. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing, again, kind of a reinforcement is how badly our youth need our fairs. Um, I know with two young children that were home with me nonstop for seven months, um, they missed going to the fair. They missed seeing their friends. They missed that interaction. Uh, We had some testimony in front of our ag uh, committee uh, in the house side. And I had a few FFA students come and talk about their experience and they were able to attend an in-person youth only, exhibitor only activity last summer. And they just talked about how meaningful it was for them to be able to bring their projects to fruition. Um, I know how important my formative years were and how the fair played into that. And I know I'm only one of literally thousands of kids in Michigan that have participated in fairs and how that has changed my life forever. Obviously not everybody is the executive director of a state fair association, but I do know that the fair really impacts those young people. And um, again, I think that that's just something that I've continued to take away. And I know the fairs that were able to do those in-person activities for those young people, how appreciative exhibitors have been to say, thank you for, you know, going this extra mile. Um, Thank you for allowing us to do things that bring us back together. Um, And I just think that that is something so wonderful about our industry. And it, it's just very unique and something that we should all be very proud of. Totally agree. It's clear that you really have a lot of passion and and love for this industry. I do too. You know, I love walking out onto the midway and seeing the Ferris wheel it up. There was 
um, there's something about when I was over at Clay County and, and everybody was out and the, that Ferris wheel lit up at night and kind of took a deep breath and as best you could wearing a mask, <laughs> but you just kind of took it, took it in for a second. And I realized just how much I missed it for the year that it was out. Um, I'm curious from you, what's your favorite fair memory? Oh gosh. Um, that's a good, that's a good one. Uh, I have so many. So I mentioned that I went to my very first fair when I was eight days old. And so growing up the Michigan state fair, we always had, my birthday was always during the Michigan state fair. It was right before school started. Uh, and so I, I have some great memories of eating a uh, birthday cake in the show ring at the livestock barn at the Michigan State Fair. Um, there was just some um, some great memories. Um, I am the youngest of three kids, and right. we we had to. I was moving to college to to Michigan State, um, and we had to show. We showed Southbound Sheep, and we showed on a Sunday night. And I was really nervous to go to college and, but I had kind of put it out of my mind because I had to get through state fair and we got done with the last group class and we went back to our aisle and I was really tired. And my parents looked at me and said, okay, you gotta, we gotta pack up. You gotta go to East Lansing. And I just started bawling and my brother and my sister were there with me and my parents and all five of us just started crying. And it was sort of the you know, nervous energy and starting a new chapter and it ended up being fantastic. But, um, that was probably one of my, one of my, uh, most vivid fair memories. Nice. So 2020 was certainly a time of self-discovery. And I, I think for a lot of people, if you could go back in time and give your 18 year old self advice, what would it be? Oh man. Uh, <sighs> I think um, focus on the things that you can change and the things that you can't change, uh, you need to let it go. And that is certainly something this past year. Um, there are a lot of things that have been outside of our control and that feels very scary. Um, not only just within our industry, but in the climate that we're in right now. And being so passionate, it's easy to take that all upon yourself and feel the weight of the world, but um, it's important to do the things you can do, um, but the things that you can't change, um, you got to learn to move forward with. I have spoken with several guests on the show about how this industry is not designed to make people millionaires. It's designed for people who are passionate about farming and ranching education and bringing people and communities together and making them happy. What is it about our fairs that you are most passionate about? I definitely think that it's the, it's, it's a lot of things really, but for myself, I know that I, started my passion for fairs, but also education about agriculture at fairs. 
So we, we showed cheap and people would come up and start a conversation and they would be very timid about asking a question or concerned that maybe their question was, was silly, but they had no idea about where their food comes from. And I think that that's something that um, I grew up, like I said, I grew up on a farm and I've always had that um, connection with my food and connection with agriculture, but that's certainly something that is, is lost. And I think that fairs are such an interesting and important part of people connecting with agriculture. And that has always been, you know, my favorite part of it, that you can see the joy of, I, I know I'm looking forward to the joy of my six-year-old where he gets to take his, his rabbit bun bun to the fair. And he's going to be so proud for people to say, oh, wow, I love your, you know, I love your bunny. Can I, can I pet it? And I remember my, uh, you know, fat little South Down ewe lamb named Blossom that I was pleased as punch uh, that I could walk her around the, the fair and people would uh, you know, ask me questions about agriculture and get an understanding of where their food comes from. And I think that that's just um, something that we should be really proud of. And I know it's something that I'm really proud of. Lisa, I'm really glad you could be on the show. We're just about out of time, but before we go, everyone who comes on my show, goes through a little series of speed round questions. Okay. So I'm right. going to ask you ready. a handful of questions and you give me your best answer for each. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. This is the tough stuff. Here we go. Elephant ears or cotton candy? Elephant ears. Favorite music artist? Garth Brooks. You can bring back one person from history to have a conversation with. Who is it? Jesus Christ. What do you talk about? Everything. <laughs> Everything. Well, I mean, it's a good person to have a great conversation <laughs> with. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna change pace then onto a different question. You're given okay. this is I don't know how to follow up that answer in that question now. Maybe those I'm sorry. Well, I'm like channeling family feud. And so I'm like trying to give you, this is the lightning round, right? That's what I'm thinking right here. You're Steve Harvey. I'm you okay. my very first reaction. Do you want me to switch my answer? No, no, not at all. I'm just oh, trying okay. to think when I go to this completely <laughs> random next question, it's going to be like, we went from talking about everything with Jesus to you're given an all expenses paid trip. Where are you going? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, that, that's the question. That's the question. Uh, probably to Sweden. Sweden. That would be cool. Yes. Uh, last question. If you could guest star on any television show, past or present, which show would it be? Seinfeld. Family Feud. <laughs> All right. Seinfeld's a good answer. That's it. <laughs> oh, my God. You and I should not connect with each other at convention because we are just going okay. to make each other laugh for hours on end and get nothing done. <laughs> nothing done. <laughs> you and I have very I mean, similar personalities when it comes Sorry. to wise wisecracking and dumb jokes. That is you and I to a T. So we have both agreed that the flowers and roses is coming out, right? That's what we agreed. I'm pretty Absolutely sure we agreed. Absolutely not. That is staying in. Dang it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a saying, right? People say that. <laughs> it, it is now. Listen, it can't all be roses Absolutely and flowers. Not. It cannot be all roses and, and flowers, right? Yeah, good thing I added both of those things. Yeah. Oh, or trees and bushes either. You can't, it can't be trees right. and bushes. Yeah, no, all it the can't time. be. It can't be. Right, exactly. <laughs> 
Letha, uh, if folks want to learn more about the Michigan Association of Fairs and Exhibitions, where can they learn more? MIFairs.com. MIFairs.com. Lisa Reif, Executive Director for the Michigan Association of Fairs and Exhibitions. Really enjoyed visiting with you today, getting to know you a little bit. I wish you all the best for 2021. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.